On episode 222, I'm interviewing Minica, the president of Ipsos Social Media Exchange, North America. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Clearworks. So we have a couple of sponsors on our show. I just want to underscore how much I appreciate those of you who have sponsored the Happy Market Research Podcast. It makes a ton of value to the ecosystem that is actually transcending market research right now. I say transcending, that's probably the wrong framework, but exceeding, moving beyond into user experience research as well as uh, data analytics and insights. In fact, recently we've been picking up shows like Predictive Analytics World and uh, Marketing Insights World. You know, these are two different shows that are great examples of, you know, where the Happy Market Research has a presence and subsequently an audience that is well outside of the normal market research vein. So, uh, Clearworks, thank you so much for your sponsorship. For those of you that don't know, they are an insights and innovation and customer experience company. They help their clients understand their customers better, identify opportunities for innovation, and create product, services, and experience that actually matter. Their clients are diverse both in size and industry, probably like all of ours, but they do share one important thing, which is, which is a passion to drive more business by driving more meaningful human connections. You can find them online at www.clearworks.net. Again, it's www.clearworks.net. And again, thank you so much for your time. Hi, I'm Jamie Brazil, and you're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. My guest today is Manika Gopinath, president at Ipsos Social Media Exchange North America. Founded in 1975, Ipsos is one of the largest market research firms globally and is a, also a consulting firm with worldwide headquarters in Paris, France. Manica has held senior positions at Fuel Cycle and was a creator and producer at Wilcox Sessions. This is an interesting little side hustle that she's got going on. I might wind up cutting that piece. I know you talked to me about yeah. it. I actually found it really interesting, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Manica, thanks so much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Let's start out with a little bit of context. Tell us uh, about your early years and how you wound up in market research. Sure. Um, well, I never really thought I'd end up in market research, so that was a surprise. But um, I uh, have always been in the space of connecting with consumers. So when I first um, entered the workforce out of college, I was working in um, the original startup boom um, at the end of the 90s and uh, was working at a company that was creating online communities. And it was really the early stages of what social media became to be, um, like when everyone was adding forums or discussions onto their websites. Um, and that was really my um, starting point in terms of entering the digital realm. Um, and I really grew up in that space in marketing um, using digital techniques. So from that company, I moved into another agency where we were doing um, the starting years of viral marketing. Do you remember that term? I do, actually. Gosh, I haven't heard that in a long time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how do we better connect with consumers using the ability to spread things through digital mediums? And through that experience, ended up in another company where I was doing um, same like same things, guerrilla and viral marketing techniques. 
And uh, we were doing some communities as a, as a way to really amplify the messages. So bring together a group of passionate people, um, arm them with the messages and have them push them out and amplify from there. And that's what actually led me to Fuel Cycle. At the time, it was called Passenger. The founders were, uh, was a gentleman that I actually worked with at another agency. And we really, that company was all about taking this idea of bringing together a passionate group of consumers and leveraging them as a platform for amplifying brand messages. And through that, we started realizing, wow, we're learning a lot about these people that are just coming in to talk about whatever with us because they just want to talk about it. And slowly that really transitioned into what everyone would call market research. (laughs) I think us as marketers weren't really thinking about it as us being market researchers, but we were learning so many things uh, from an insights perspective. Um, And slowly over time, our our stakeholders on the client side ended up being a mix of marketing and insights people and um, yeah, stumbled into market research from there. So Tulunas, I don't know if you've seen their most recent website, uh, but they've actually moved to this thing called the Influencer Marketplace. I thought that was an interesting kind of uh, direction that you think about market research heading, right? So yeah. these, and, and so anyway, I, I, it's it's funny seeing the evolution and, and really the, I'll put the authority shift more and more towards the respondent, right? Mm-hmm. So... And, and that's where I think like Taluna's positioning, and it's not just unique to them, that you're yeah. seeing this in other, other uh, providers as well, but like this whole like influencer marketing has been in such a growth mode and really what denotes an influencer. And this is where I think like on the community side, it's really interesting too, is because uh, big brands are paying a lot of attention to niche communities now. Yeah, I mean, that's some, one thing that's been funny, a little funny for me and validating, I think, at, at points, because when I first entered into Ipsos, the idea of really putting onus on the on the respondent, I didn't even call them respondent, I called them people, um, was, was a, a novel idea. It wasn't really the norm, you know, it was more about getting the data we needed for the research that we were trying to address. And for me, that's always kind of been my starting point is the people that we're talking to and how we engage them. And I'm seeing that happen in the market now. Like that's that's kind of an accepted approach these days. Um, and that wasn't always the case. Um, so it's great. I think it's good because the idea, like the pe- people that are truly passionate or have an affinity about things, topics, whatever, there's so much you can learn from them because they're truly uh, dedicated and want to have a constructive conversation about it. And we're seeing that on, you know, my oversight is on communities and social intelligence, or so, you know, AKA social listening. And you're seeing that on that side too. Like there's a lot of people that are in the social department at their, at their brand and they're doing constructing insights just as much as a research or insights function. Um, because of all of those conversations that are happening about brands, topics, products, whatever. So, yeah, absolutely. This is the part I think that where marketing research has a big advantage in the marketplace right now. By marketplace, I mean broadly speaking inside of the corporate budgets, right? So it, is to really leverage up the voice of the consumer. There's a study, actually, I should pu- publish this. I was Estrella's 
where she's with Nestle. In her interview, she talks about the Watermark report. And this is a fascinating report I had not heard of before. I thought I had in the interviews, but I misspoke. But anyway, so I, after doing the, the diligence on it, it actually illustrated this, like it's never been more clear that companies that actually put the consumer first, they are winning especially when you do analysis on the fortune one or sorry, fortune 500, which, which is what they looked at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they looked at the, the difference between the laggards, which are the significant underperformers in the marketplace versus the overperformers and the overperformers. It's like a, it's like a seven or eight to one. I mean, it's just like the amount of distance between them that, you know, the companies that are actually driving forward with, with not just lip service, cause everybody says they are, you know, they care about the consumer, but um, the ones that are actually employing those tech, these techniques, it just is a, it, it just feels like this is a really big opportunity for us in market research. And we're just at the beginning, I think, of seeing this, this escalate into, into corporate budgets. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been in budgets at some, in, but it just in a different place. And I think that's, what's been new is that it hasn't necessarily crossed over into the insights function. Um, but the, the value of leveraging your best consumers and collaborating with them, I, I think that that concept isn't new. But you're right. I think there's definitely this shift in that people are prioritizing it more. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that this you actually said something that's really interesting to me right there, which is, you know, where it sits, kind of insight that insight sits. Are you are you seeing the role at Ipsos? Are you seeing the role of insights move from the strict like market research sage on the hill to other departments? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's, if anything, there's just more involvement of uh, stakeholders outside of just insights and there's a greater importance for broader exposure and collaboration, right? Because there's mm. elements of marketing, the marketing function that has analytics oversight that has social oversight, you know, that might, that insights is a part of, but might not be, you know, in the day-to-day conversation. So more and more we're seeing different stakeholders join that conversation and even getting briefs from people that might not even be in an insights function as well. Yeah. See, that's another big opportunity for marketing research is identifying like the educational component inside of the organizations becomes, you know, they're, they're starting from a totally different point of reference you know, what is a concept test, for example, versus right. uh, a traditional, you know, somebody that's been steeped in, in market research best practices. So it's almost like in a lot of ways, we, we have the opportunity to help educate and elevate the research and the insights that are done across the organization, regardless of the tools that are being used. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's a big opportunity. And that's actually one of the reasons I think what, what I'm doing in my team, you know, is a, there's a lot of boutiques and agencies that do social intelligence and communities but um, the fact that we're able to bring a lot of the rigor and the academic strength and foundation that Ipsos brings to research um, and link that to these more emerging areas of insights is something that a, a lot of our clients really value. Yeah, I, this is such an important point. I mean, just because you have a scalpel doesn't mean you should perform surgery. And, yeah. and I think that, I think that you know, anyone can do a survey, for example, right? I mean, that's not hard anymore. My mom can do a survey. It's kind of like my benchmark. Yeah. But um, it doesn't necessarily mean that she she should. And if she does, she shouldn't be, you know, directing a, uh, the organization or 
or decisions at an organizational level because you know the the nuances of questions are is i mean just at a question level question formation level is actually really important right so um and that's just one little element of of research so added having the added value and working with a professional agency you know the other thing that's interesting in talking with many many brands over the last year it doesn't feel like they're pulling their spend out of you know their key relationships like they have with uh the big players such as yourself nielsen whatever um it, it from their vantage point it, it feels like the where they're leveraging you guys is, has been shifting though so you know the the actual you know relationships are becoming stronger because they're leveraging more on a strategic level as opposed to a logistical level is that something you guys are seeing yeah i think so i mean i think advisory is a really critical part of any kind of research right it's not just about executing the research it's about ensuring that we're looking at the actionability piece of it um, and what that linkage to business decisions is, you know, so we're not just like sending over the data and hoping right. that it goes somewhere good. Um, that's, that's a really critical piece in terms of closing the feedback loop on the actual business impact as well. All right. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Tell us about the biggest challenge that you have overcome either personally or professionally. Um, <laughs> A lot of challenges. Um, well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, going back to just starting at Ipsos, that was a big challenge for me, um, namely because I did come from marketing. I was a marketer, not a researcher. So that was a, a big cultural shift. Um, it also was a huge organization. And I, like I said, I came from startups, tech startups, agencies. Um, so just that cultural shift was big. And to be completely honest, I was I was recruited into Ipsos to build their communities business. And back then, this is about eight years ago now, the idea of communities, I think there was a little bit of fear around it, right? It was like, is that going to take away my business? Is that going to take away, um, you know, are people just going to do stuff in a community and not do stuff outside of a community anymore? So there was a lot of fear and just miseducation in terms of what what a community is and what it can actually deliver and the value that it brings in an integrated fashion. And that was a big challenge to overcome in terms of building trust with my colleagues and ensuring that they didn't see me and what we were building as a threat, but rather an opportunity um, and a way for Ipsos to look at different areas of, of growth and collaboration. And I think, I think we've gotten to a really good place, I hope. Um, but what I'm seeing now is that 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 the integration piece is really one of the most exciting pieces of what we can do with communities at Ipsos because we have clients that are doing things outside of the communities at Ipsos already and have a community and are able we're able to bring all of these connection points together. Um, that's really where the true power comes into play because communities aren't good for everything, They're right? Good lot, but they're definitely not, I'm not going to start, you know, looking at volumetric forecasting using a community. So really bringing those pieces together, that was, you know, it was a challenge uh, because my, the easiest thing I could be is, is come in and be like, oh, we're way cooler than you. And <laughs> yeah, we don't need you. like we're the new, we're the new phase. Um, Everything's a nail but, to a hammer. Yeah, exactly. But it was really like, how, how do we, how do we figure out how to work together and be better together? So are you seeing, thinking about communities, 
are, is there a life cycle of a, of the communities that are successful? In other words, is it like a six month uh, mm-hmm. focus or is it, you know, longitudinal in perpetuity framework? So if it was up to me, I think every brand would have a consumer community, of course. But I think where we see, I mean, we have communities that have been up for three, four or five years um, or even more. And I think what what success looks like in those long-term community programs is that there's never a point of just settling. We're always continuing to evolve. We define success metrics and we we track ourselves and are accountable against those and we continue to evolve those over time. We don't just set those once and forget them. So really ensuring, back to what I was saying before, really ensuring that how we're leveraging that community, that there's it's laddering up to a larger purpose, that there's key business objectives that we're, we're delivering against, and that we're able to look at the actual impact of that learning on the business itself, like whether that's the actual decisions it's impacted, whether it's what that looks like in terms of the, making their broader processes easier, uh, you know, what success looks like can be a lot of different things for the organization, and it obviously changes over time. But being really purposeful in terms of defining what that looks like and actually prioritizing tracking against that. Um, I think is really important to a successful community for any client. Um, I wouldn't say there's any client that couldn't get value from a community. I think sometimes there's missteps in terms of getting too narrow, you know, like trying to, I just want to talk to these one group of people because we don't have market share with them. (laughs) And sometimes that's valuable, but maybe that's a much shorter engagement. But yeah, I mean, I think overall the, the broader um, success that I've seen over the years with community is when it's truly integrated into the broader process within the organization and that that adoption curve is really addressed as a strategic priority. Are you seeing a lot of, is it a, a lot of different methodologies that are applied against the, the communities or just a certain type, more narrow? I always, you know, when I think about a community, I usually think about diary studies, right? Um, or narrow use cases. So no. So when I talk about community, um, I'm I'm talking about uh, an online environment where members uh, are recruited in, profiled, and they can. There's interactivity in there, so there's the ability for people to talk to one another. But there's also opportunities to do, you know, more focused qualitative interactions like diaries, for example. And we're also doing a lot of quantitative work. So it's it is a true combination of quant, qual, and collective. Um, interactions. And with that capability, you're able to do quite a bit um, in terms of of learning, right? So it can be around just foundational understanding of who people are. It could be much more diagnostic or optimization work against concept development or ideation or, you know, advertising. Um, There's a lot of different ways that you can use it um, for understanding paths of purchase or, you know, what does that journey look like, UNA. I mean, there's really endless ways that you can leverage a community because at its core, a community is a way to have a dialogue and understand a a consumer uh, at a deeper level, ideally, right? But that's what I was saying earlier. I don't think that it replaces, you know, certain things but it absolutely strengthens and elevates your ability to do things in a more agile and meaningful way. 
So when you, obviously you've built a set of best practices. I actually sold a community into Intuit, um, developed the software, et cetera, uh, back in 2004. So super early days. And it was a, it seemed like such a great idea, Mm -hmm. but, but what we didn't have is any best practices built around that community management. And so inevitably what happened was, you know, the, the, it felt a little bit more grindy. Like, you know, we just needed to start engaging them on behalf of just engage or for the purpose of engagement, as opposed to learning. Um, do you, do you have a playbook that you employ or, and what does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, there's layers to it. So there's, you know, overarching, um, there's a really critical approach to how you launch a community. So that's the, the starting point. And this might sound like a no, no duh, but is having a business strategy <laughs> um, and finding, like I said before, like key objectives and success measures. And you really have to hold yourself to those things because they're not, they're not just put them down to paper just for the sake of it. Like you actually have to be thinking about what does that look like? And that's a collaboration. That's not like my team can figure that out. We have to have that dialogue with the client or with the brand um, to, to make sure that those things are meaningful and that there are things that we can execute against. So that's first. The second is having a really defined engagement and content strategy. And what that looks like is laddering up against those business objectives and to build a real meaningful content plan that actually is going to deliver against the things that we're saying um, we want to address from a business perspective, but also aligning that with a member value proposition. Like, why do these people even want to join this community? Why are they going to come back? Like, you have to actually have a reason for that, that you can actually bring to the table, right? It can't be like, I want to be the next Facebook. You know, that's probably not what most brands can deliver. Right. But there's generally something, right? There's an affinity around the topic. There's knowledge or insider information or, you know, there's there's some kind of value proposition that you can align on. And once you've defined that, then we execute against our, our 10 golden rules of engagement is what we call them. But they're really like core principles that are driven by human behavior and behavioral science, like the things that just drive humans, um, but within the digital environment. And if we execute against those in a consistent fashion, we see that it drives really strong engagement. And then the third piece is Sorry, that can I, really quick before you get into the third piece, I just have to ask. So, um, this, this concept of it's not about the money, right? Mm-hmm. Necessarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I actually believe this a hundred percent the research on research I've done, the, I will get oversized returns if there's an emotional connection or um, interest in a brand as a, or a category as opposed yeah. to a strict incentive relationship. Yeah. Is, is that, and so is that part of how you're deri- uh, creating the communication strategy? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we're actually, I think about to put out a paper on research on research we did around this, around the, importance of intrinsic motivation versus just extrinsic. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say we don't use rewards or financial incentives, but it's not the starting point. Got it. You establish a relationship based on money. That's kind of, you're setting yourself up for that expectation. But if you establish a relationship based on more intrinsic and emotional drivers, like you said, 
then you have the opportunity to, to have people that feel like they're truly part of an experience and that they actually have a voice at the table or whatever that potential value proposition is that you're putting out there. And that's really critical because you're kind of cheapening the relationship if, if it's just about gift cards. And that, to your earlier point, that can that's an easy thing to fall back on. And I'm not going to say that we're not guilty of it at times, like just to be like, oh, just throw a bunch of rewards at them so we can try to right. push up participation. Um, but over time, that never that never um, delivers against the quality and even quantity of of learnings that you're going to get. And the other thing I wanted to mention before we get to your third leg here is, um, a, well, actually, not mention it's more of a it's more of a question, right? So when you what does the interplay look like with the community members outside of a research experiment, such as a you know collaborative diary or something along those lines? Is there is there any is there any opportunity for communication? Yeah, we're I mean we're communicating with members all the time. Um, our community, but I mean member to member, member to member. Oh yeah, yeah, we do. Um, generally, we'll we'll ensure that there's some layer of in, what we call engagement activities at a baseline. And it's not like you just throw up a discussion and forget about it. Like they're highly curated, they're moderated, and where members are able to talk to one another, they're able to talk to one another. Um, and it's really about creating that sense of community. Got it. And that's the thing that makes me laugh sometimes where people say, this is a community, but there's like no sense of actual community. Take a survey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, a community, like the word community is the word community for a reason, right? So Right. Um, we take that pretty pretty seriously in terms of cr the experience that we're creating. All right, got it. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'll be quiet no, at no. least for the next at least for the <laughs> next leg. No, yeah. So the third piece is is really about adoption and uh, evangelism on the client side because it's easy to set up a community in uh, like in a silo. So like a you know, someone on the insights team might invest in a community and there could be someone on like across the hall that doesn't even know that there's a community within the organization. And so really ensuring that we, we set up a strategy with the client to define how we're going to really market the community within their organization. Um, I have never heard that before. I actually think that's probably one of the biggest aha moments for me I've had on the show. That is brilliant. And it's critical. How do you, what does that look like? I mean, are you, so I'm very familiar with putting together content strategies uh, and content calendars and all that kind of stuff. Is, is there a whole separate, like, is it, it feels like that's a, it, the way that you're describing it sounds like it's more of a strategic session with real clear deliverables in time. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on, again, it's, it's how you embed this program within the existing organizational culture, right? So at some clients within their organization, they have quarterly town halls and they have a newsletter or what, you know, whatever. It's like really like trying to vet all of the different touch points that are within that organization. And then the other, the other layer to that is also just how do they make decisions? Like, so it's a lot of communication channel sort of analysis. Uh, and yeah. strategy, ensuring that you get some or have the opportunity at least to get some uh, airtime. Exactly. And that ladders back to the success measures, right? Like they're all, it's all connected. Like if you don't, right. if you don't drive adoption, you're not going to do enough to drive the success measures and, and so forth. So, yeah. 
Tell me a little bit about the project that you are most proud of over your storied career. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a lot of them, right? I know. A lot, but I, I don't know that I'm able to share all of the details on this public forum. But, you know, I, I'll say high level. There was a program that I, I managed earlier in my career, and it was what I loved about it is that it this client didn't shy away from what it meant to have the consumer be part of the process. Like the consumer was part of the process, literally at every stage from the beginning of the product inception, which meant, you know, it was just in a test tube to the actual like naming of that product to like figuring out the packaging for that product to figuring out which stores it should be in to figuring out what media channels, like they literally had the consumers be pitched by the different media agencies um, and make the, help make the decisions in terms of where they were going to place media and what that media looked like. I mean, they fully embraced this idea of having the consumer part of that process. And so I think for me, you know, did did we change the world? Maybe not. But for me, what I loved about that program is just how unabashedly the client embraced the consumer being part of the process. That's not like, I think a lot of clients can be scared of that. And I, I know that there's that Ford quote about if I ask my con- consumers, the horse. they want a faster horse, right? Yeah. That's our job. Like our job is not to just take what the consumer says and do it. Our job right. is to like critically think about what that actually means and read between the lines and, and drive what that means from a strategic perspective. But to shy away from actually engaging with your consumers and understand what they want and what they need and what they're motivated by, like that, that's just like missing the whole point of what we're trying to do, uh, you know, as insights professionals, as well as people in business in general. So that, that was, that was, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I I had one guest and she said that they measure at a brand uh, and she said they measure the success of a project based on a single KPI, which is number of mentions of of the insights being, you know, mentioned inside of the final brief, like that's used to make a business decision. Uh, And I thought that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one one of the things I've been talking to my team a lot about lately is because I'm sure you've heard there's this whole thing around purpose, like brand purpose and brands having a societal, like they need to actually push forward what this society looks like for good. Right. And corporations have more power in some ways than government. And when you think about what we're doing as insights professionals, I mean, we're like a direct line to consumers. We're a direct line to what they need and and what's driving them day in, day out. And there's, I don't know anyone who's not at some level worried about plastic or sustainability or climate change. I mean, there's a lot of things that are scary right now, right? And, And we actually have the opportunity to help educate our clients from a consumer perspective on how they can, they can be fine purpose and, Right. and drive that change. And, and that's a really amazing position to be in, right? Yeah. I, I, it's it's uh, back to that uh, Estrella's interview. She actually said in, in the end of it, uh, talking about how 
for the first time in, in her career, she's seeing the red carpet being rolled out to market research professionals, insights professionals to the boardroom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I completely concur with that, you know, based on the, the interviews that we've been, that we've been doing here. It just feels like this is the day, you know, and, and it's not just at, at the end or at the top, right? It feels like it's the beginning, which is a really exciting mm-hmm. point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Super cool. So market research, we've got lots of challenges. What are you seeing as uh, the biggest challenge, whether it's inside of Ipsos or with the customers that you service? Um, I, I mean, I think this is broad, broadly in the industry. I think it's just this, the finding the right combination of uh, technology and humans. <laughs> um, so there's, yeah. there's a lot of things that I think historically research professionals have executed, but with technology and automation, they just don't have to. So it's like really like ensuring that we're elevating a, a, like in the value chain um, and, you know, automating the things that we can, but not forgetting on the things where quote unquote human intelligence is still really critical. Um, you know, I think that's, that's going to, that's going to be a continual challenge to find the right sweet spot and it's evolving every day, right. With the with new technologies and capabilities and, and opportunities from that perspective. But I think yep. to what you were just saying in terms of elevating the position of insights and, and being part of those early conversations not an afterthought, oh, we should do some research to make sure that this isn't a bad idea. Um, but being like really at the origin um, stage, um, that's really, I think the biggest piece is like, it's a challenge, but it's definitely a necessity in terms of ensuring um, that we maintain relevance. Um, it's really that idea of pushing ourselves up that, that value chain. Yeah. And then the, and I, I like how you're casting automation. Automation isn't about job replacement. It's about job furthering. Mm-hmm. And right, the, the more that we can automate the disparate workflows that we have inside of the research processes and the more time that we can spend on adding value and helping the brands, our customers uh, and our and our um, employers to drive value, right? And that emotional connection is so important. It's, it's definitely a partnership, at least probably for the next 50 years from my vantage point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look at it as like, how can we find time to focus on the fun stuff, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So when you look forward five years from now, I mean, you've, you've had the, um, the fortune of seeing a lot of transition into the, in this, in this insight space. What, how are we going to be different as market researchers or user experience professionals uh, in five years? I, uh, well, I think that there's a lot that we know that we don't know. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like that's, that's really where I'm seeing a lot of focus right now is like, are we being redundant? Just asking people these questions over and over again? Like, are there better ways to understand this information? And I feel like that that some of it is big brother and scary, but other pieces of it is just like, I think consumers are at the point where like, I feel like I've already told you all of this and shouldn't you have some understanding of all this information? So I see like technology and automation, machine learning, all the things that are kind of coming into play in the insights world as really helping us to, like I said before, just like really kind of establish a, mo- a stronger foundation so that we can focus on the things that, are actually going to drive things forward beyond that. So I, I just see that us getting better and better at that. Um, so that, because I think we, like, we ask a lot of questions we don't have to ask. 
a lot. And we and we do, right? I mean, let's just start with the basic one, gender. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's every survey. There's anyways. I I have a whole rant there, but I'm gonna forego it in the interest of maintaining an audience. <laughs> um, yeah. So. The, it sounds like what you're saying is there's this opportunity for us to be able to have better um, transition between the disparate data systems of that data so that we have a more complete respondent record. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is the whether it's previously self-reported data or you know social or whatever, transactional, behavioral, et cetera, you know, the more that that gets unified, then the, the better, the smarter we'll be as brand and insights professionals in, in, making, in making decisions. And also, you know, to the point of like being really tactical with the questions that we ask at the respondent level, right? As opposed to the same question over and over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's an opportunity to be more economical with how we, how we engage with people. And, and yeah, that, that's and a much need. better way of saying it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've been a part of a couple of high performance, uh, teams. Tell me what are three characteristics of an all-star employee? Well, I, it's not three things. I, I actually, my team, um, runs by the credo own it. So it actually is a, an acronym, but ownership, I think is a big piece of that. Um, so having that sense of accountability and knowing that you, whoever you are, whatever level you are, that you have an important role to play and that you, your ownership of what you are accountable for is, is critical to everyone's success. So that's a big piece. The W is willingness to learn. And that's really important as well, because we don't know everything ever. (laughs) We are born to die unfinished. And the ability for us to continue evolving is about us having that, you know, that open mind um, to understand and and learn what's out there and never, never settling, which is the end, um, to know that we can really continue to push ourselves forward. Um, So that's really, you know, all around curiosity and continuing to push uh, what it means to, to be in our, in our, in our world, in our in our department, whatever that might be, or in our team. And then implementing solutions and taking responsibility. I mean, those are the the, the big pieces uh, that I think are really critical. So always like if, if you want to come to me or anyone on the team with a problem, have a starting point of what some of the solutions might be. Um, I think ultimately all of those characteristics are really critical to a good team. But the, the number one thing um, for me is about remembering that we're all human. And this really goes back to also just my broader philosophy around our community practice is that these are people we're engaging with people and we're people and we're engaging with each other and we need to connect with one another and respect one another. And if you don't start with your people, then it's going to be hard to engage with other people. So that's probably the biggest thing. Minika, how'd you come up with own it? That is the best <laughs> co- set of core values I've ever heard. I mean, it totally encapsulates everything that I believe, but in a way that I can actually walk in about, you know, tomorrow or a week from now. Yeah. Uh, recycle, which is freaking amazing. Own it. 
I think it just started with me being like, just own it. And then like thinking about what that actually means to me. Yeah. I mean, it's been become really embedded into my team because we actually use it in terms of how we look at performance, how we look at interviewing new people on the team. So it's, it's really a framework for, for what, what we stand for culturally. Yeah. So my last question is what is your personal motto? And I think you might have answered it. Yeah, own it. Um, actually, it's. Uh, I will say it's. It's a little different. It's. It's just try it. Um, has been my personal motto. Without really, someone asked me this question recently, and I had to kind of think about it. But I realized that this has been my motto throughout my life. Like, even I live in Los Angeles. I'm from Seattle. Lived in New York and San Francisco. So. If anyone lives in any of those cities, they know that LA is not necessarily looked upon in the most positive light. So me ending up in LA was definitely not a plan, but it was definitely a, a, a component of me meeting someone and saying, you know what, just try it. <laughs> um, but I would say that's in my personal life, but on my professional life as well, that's definitely uh, a motto for me because you don't know until you try. Um, maybe it will be a total failure. Maybe, uh, you know, everyone will look at you like you're crazy. Maybe it will be amazing. Like, I don't know. Um, and I think that's something that we just need to be, you know, more open to just trying it and seeing what happens and going from there. My guest today has been Minika Gopinath, president, Ipsos Social Media Exchange North America. Thank you, Minika, so much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. It's an absolute honor. As always, I appreciate your time and attention, listeners. If you would please do me a kindness. If you found value in this show, please, please, please take the time to share it. Take a screenshot it. Uh, distribute it on LinkedIn. I would love to interact with you if you have any questions, recommendations, or also guests. And you can always find this show and others like it on our website, happymr.com. Have a great rest of your day. This episode is brought to you by ClearWorks. They are an inside innovation and customer experience company. They help their clients understand their customers better, identify opportunities for innovation, and create product services and experience that actually matter. Their clients are diverse both in size and industry. They do share one important thing, which is, which is a passion to drive more business by driving more meaningful human connections. You can find them online at www.clearworks.net. Again, it's www.clearworks.net. And again, thank you so much for your time.